0: Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello, and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today is study number seven of Daniel chapter three. We're continuing to look at verses 15 through 18. And verse 15 tells us the warning to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that they would be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And at the end of that verse 15, it says, And who is it, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O King. But if not, be it known unto thee, O King, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now one thing that stands out uh, in this historical record of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three young Hebrews, in their refusal to bow down to this image, to commit idolatry, is their apparent lack of fear. Everyone else, it, it seems, in Babylon was afraid, but these three men, these three Jews who picture and represent the elect people of God, they insist uh, still upon obeying God, and keeping the word of God, no matter the consequences. And of course, that goes along with what God has done uh, when he saves an individual, when he saves a person, he gives them his spirit, and a Ongoing desire to do the will of God, no matter the consequences that arise sometimes in one's family or at one's work or in the neighborhood, the the people of God have this um, desire, this will to do within them that is placed there by God himself. And we see that here. In our last couple of studies, we've been discussing the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and we've seen it's a corporate sin. Well, another interesting thing about this, when we go to Luke 12, and it's actually in Matthew and in Matthew 10 also, but we'll we'll just look at Luke 12. Beginning in verse 10, we read of um, that sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what ye shall answer or what ye shall say, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. We've seen how God has said repeatedly in, in several places, it is his plan to open the scriptures in the time of the end, or the great tribulation period, that hour. And at that time, the Holy Ghost will speak it, it through comparison of scriptures, the Holy Ghost teaches, and the things that come forth from the Bible will be... Reviled, ridiculed, mocked by the corporate body, the New Testament churches and congregations. Following the pattern of Israel before them, that when when the Holy Spirit operated through the Lord Jesus Christ, spoke through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Israelites reviled him, said that the things he was doing and saying were of Beelzebub, Satan. Well, God tells us that the servant is not greater than his master. And if they did it to our master, we can be sure they will do it to us. And that's exactly what's happened as the church has, uh, committed the same sin that Israel committed. And it's a, it's a corporate sin. It, it's the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Well, it's interesting how God sets up the context of Luke 12 and and the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And he does it here as well as in Matthew 10. And if we go back to verse 4 of Luke 12, it says, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you, whom ye shall fear. Fear him, which after he has killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Verse 7, But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. Ye are of more value than many sparrows. Again, fear not. Fear not. Fear God. Not him who can kill you. And that's exactly what's going on in Daniel 3. There's a threat of being killed. and, And that was the threat all along. Whoever does not worship at the sound of the music, those 23 musical instruments. And God speaks of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 13 times, indicating at the time of the end of the church age, at the 13,000th year, for 23 years, the great tribulation period, that there will be this threat. You must bow down and worship, or you will be killed. And we read the same thing in Revelation 13 regarding the image of the beast. Whosoever should not worship should be killed. That is spiritually killed. Driven out of the congregation. This is the threat that hanged over the people of God throughout the entire duration of the Great Tribulation period. Well, we see that the three young Men in Daniel chapter 3, they did not fear to the point. We, we don't know what was going on within them. And again, they were in their flesh, even though they had new born again souls. And there could have been fear. Certainly, there was awareness of the situation and awareness of the horrible death that was facing them. And yet, verses like this could have gone through their mind in Isaiah 51 and verse 7. Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their revilings. Or maybe they, they were thinking of Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41, beginning in verse 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them, and shalt not find them. Even them that contended with thee, they that war against thee, shall be as nothing, and as a thing of naught. For I, Jehovah thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith Jehovah, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Now they They do say to the king that our God is able to deliver us. And so there is a hope in that area. Of course, they also say, but if not. And there's two options facing them. And they're fine with either option because the child of God wins or is victorious either way. Whether we're delivered or whether we're destroyed by the fire physically What happens? To die is gain. We go to be with the Lord in heaven. And we've won. There is no defeat. There is no losing for the child of God when it comes to matters of life and death. We win either way. In Isaiah 43, beginning in verse 1, it says, But now, thus saith Jehovah that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And notice here, God is indicating again, I will be with thee. Then he he speaks of uh, possible horrible deaths. When you go through the water and through the rivers, they will not overflow thee. That is, they will not drown thee and, and kill thee. And when you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. It, it doesn't say and and this is significant, it does not say you will not go through the fire or the flame will not kindle upon thee. No, we've learned that the Bible teaches that we all must appear, all of God's elect must make an appearance or a manifestation before the judgment seat of Christ. That God judges the righteous and the wicked. He's the judge of the quick and the dead. We, we've seen in many places this teaching of the Bible, and that means the fire will come upon us. The, the fire will be lit to us, yet that, the promise is, again, it is not, we will not experience the fire, or we will not encounter the flame, Rather, the promise is when we do experience fire, it will not burn us or burn us up. And when we encounter the flame, it will not kindle upon us as it would say in the case of wood hay stubble. Remember that in first Corinthians chapter three and first Corinthians three has everything to do with fire. It is those elements that are built upon the foundation who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 12, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try Every man's work, of what sort it is. Again, the righteous and the wicked. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Where did we ever get the idea that the elect would be taken out of the world and not experience the judgment of God, the final judgment day? It it is a wrong, unbiblical teaching. The Bible tells us we will go through the fire just like wood, hay, stubble will go through the fire, and that will be burned up. But gold, silver, precious stones will not be burned up. And, and it says, The day shall declare it, that's judgment day, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is, if any man's work abide, that is the fire, that endure the fire, which he has built thereupon, He shall receive a reward. Now, how could he endure the fire? Because the fire did not burn him. The flame did not kindle upon him. But the fire was put to him. And that's exactly the teaching of the Bible. That's why we read in Isaiah chapter 24, verse 6, in this chapter discussing Judgment Day throughout, Therefore, Half the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. Everyone else, wood hay stubble, is burned up. Spiritually, they're destroyed once the door of heaven's shut. But, God's elect, many are called, few are chosen, are left. And, and why are they left? Is it because no fire has touched them? No. Well yes in one sense, but no in another. They have, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, been put into a furnace, and judgment day is likened to a furnace in, in the Gospel of Matthew. All of God's people have been put into the furnace of the wrath of God in the day of punishment, the day of of God's fiery fury being poured upon the wicked of the earth, and all of the elect are appearing at that time, remaining alive and left on the earth, and going through the flame, and going through the fire, and everyone else is burned up, but not God's people. That's why uh, the statement is made in Malachi. In Malachi 4 verse 1, for behold, the day cometh, that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith Jehovah of hosts, that shall not, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. And then verse 3, and ye, this is God's elect, shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith Jehovah of hosts. See, God's people are there. We're still alive. We're walking on the earth. And it's as though we're walking upon the ashes of everyone else because they have been burned up. You know, it says in Hebrews 11, in that great chapter of faith, the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 32, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith, or through Christ, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire. This is a principle, a biblical principle, or teaching we see throughout the Bible, that it is impossible for the people of God to burn. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not burn. Now, uh, of course, yes, God's people can burn, as in the time of the Reformation Some were burned at the stake, and and they did burn. And maybe the evil church of that day, the evil apostate church, that were actually burning God's people for carrying the Bible, for wanting the Bible in the language of the people, they perhaps put the fire to them because of this principle and with the idea, well, if we can burn them, they're not God's people because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not burn. Gold, silver, precious stones does not burn. God said, when you go through the fire, you will not burn in Isaiah. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. It is the principle of God that the violence of the fire is quenched on their behalf by God through faith, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And and so that is a principle but really it's teaching us spiritual truth that God's elect those predestinated from before the foundation of the world will never be destroyed they will never be as this world as this universe this corrupt creation and as the wicked upon it who will be burned up in that day of fiery heat fervent heat that will melt the elements and guess what? Guess what? Once again, the people of God go through that fire and come out unscathed or unburned. Not as we will later read in Daniel, without the smell of smoke, without even their their garments, um, the, a loose thread on the garment uh, being burned in any way. The fire has no power over God's elect. And of course, that's why the elect endure to the end, because the fire cannot burn them up. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, the fire of God's wrath in the day of judgment actually serves the elect. It, it is used by God himself to illuminate the night. What I mean can be seen also in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter four, in Isaiah four, beginning in verse four, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and the daughters of Zion would be his saved people, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem, from the midst thereof, by the spirit of judgment, and by the spirit of burning. And Jehovah will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion, and upon her assemblies, a cloud and smoke by day, and the shining of a flaming fire by night, for upon all the glory shall be a defense, or a cover. And there shall be a tabernacle, and that's the word booth, for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and for a covert or a hiding place from storm and from rain. And verse 6, with the heat and the storm, that's judgment day. And God provides a booth. And uh, we're not going to get into the tabernacle or booth at this time, we're, we're going to save that for another study in the book of Jonah. But this booth or tabernacle identifies with the word of God because it relates to the cloud and smoke by day and shining of a flaming fire by night, which is language that ties in with the wilderness sojourn of Israel. And that's when Israel literally dwelt in booths for 40 years. And that's what the Feast of Tabernacles commemorates, the dwelling of the people of Israel in these makeshift tents, these booths to protect them from the heat and from storm. And yet it relates to the Word of God. Now, isn't it interesting that here in Isaiah 4, 5, it speaks of flaming fire by night. We know that the cloud identifies with the commandments of Jehovah according to Numbers 9. But what's interesting about this um, use of flaming fire is that's not exactly how it's stated uh, in the time of the wilderness. In Exodus 13, it says, beginning in verse 21, And Jehovah went before them by day, in a pillar of a cloud, to lead them the way, and by night, in a pillar of fire, to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, from before the people. After the great deliverance, the mighty deliverance of all Israel, not most Israel, but all Israel and Of course, that great deliverance of all Israel without one Israelite being left behind in Egypt is a picture of God completing his salvation program. And then he brings them out into the wilderness where they will dwell in booths for 40 years. And the entire time they will be directed. They'll be directed by a cloud in the day and by a pillar of fire at night. And so whenever, day or night, they look at the tabernacle, they can see either this cloud or this pillar of fire. Of course, that pillar of fire would have illuminated the night. And the pillar of fire continued throughout the entire time period. It says in Exodus 40, in verse 38, For the cloud of Jehovah was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. All 42 encampments as they traveled about in these booths they, they um, had this direction from God according to the commandment of God the cloud by day and fire by night. And at the same time Every every day, six days a week, they were fed with manna from heaven. This heavenly food, mysterious manna that just fell down from the sky and provided nourishment for them, sufficient for them to continue on. They had no other way of getting their bread. It came directly from God. And, of course, that manna... Actually, we, we can see the picture. By May 21, 2011, God saved all of spiritual Israel. All of the elect whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life were delivered. They then are, no, not brought immediately into heaven, but they must go through the day of temptation in the wilderness or also the, the day of wrath because it's judgment day and also a time of severe testing of God's people. And God continues to feed them through the opening of the Scriptures at the time of the end, manna from heaven. They dwell in booths, and and again, the booth, uh, the tabernacle, completely identifies with the Word of God. The Word of God is a shelter for them, protecting them from the heat and from storm from the wrath of God. And during this time, though, and the entire period, there's a flaming fire by night. We Well, that's what Isaiah 4 calls it. Here in Exodus, it was a pillar of fire. In Numbers 14, it says in verse 13, And Moses said unto Jehovah, Then the Egyptians shall hear it. For thou brought us up this people in thy might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. For they have heard that thou, Jehovah, art among this people, that thou, Jehovah, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud, and in a pillar of fire by night. God's presence, his presence, in the day of judgment, is with his people typified by the cloud, which, again, we've talked about that, so we're not going to get into that, but by a pillar of fire by night. And remember, when we looked at the work day, Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? And in that parable of the vineyard, the, those hired at the eleventh hour work one hour, the hour of great tribulation. Then the twelfth hour con, comes, and and the work day concludes. The day of salvation ends, and evening is upon us. And and Christ said that um, there are twelve hours in the day, and a and a man must work in the day, for the night comes when no man can work. Christ cannot perform the work of salvation. The night, judgment day, is likened to the night because the sun is darkened. The moon does not give her light. And the stars cease their shining. And so all is black. All is dark spiritually. God, through his word, the Bible, established the gospel lights. It's as though the Bible has spread them in the heavens and god according to his program of times and seasons has put out the gospel lights and made the universe dark as he's rolled up the, the the gospel as a scroll and and now there's there's just darkness outer darkness for the people of the world it it says in numbers chapter 9 Numbers 9, beginning in verse 15, And on that day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely, the tent of the testimony, and at even there was upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day, and the appearance of fire by night. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then after that, the children of Israel journeyed, and in the place where the cloud abode, there the children of Israel pitched their tents. And it goes on at the commandment of Jehovah, the children of Israel journeyed, according to the movement of the cloud. But the fire, the fire, flaming fire. Why does it say flaming fire in Isaiah 4, and not a pillar of fire? Very different words. Actually, When we, we read Exodus or Numbers or Deuteronomy concerning the, the fire at night, it, it's said to be a pillar of fire. Even in Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter nine, beginning in verse 12, moreover, thou lettest them in the day by a cloudy pillar and in the night by a pillar of fire to give them light. In the way wherein they should go, Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spakest with them from heaven, and gavest them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath, and commandest them precepts, statutes and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant, and gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger, and broughtest forth water water, for them out of the rock for their thirst, and promises them that they should go in to possess the land which thou hast sworn to give them. And also in verse 19 of Nehemiah 9, Yet thou and thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day, to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night, to show them light. And the way wherein they should go. Now, uh, did, did you catch that in Nehemiah 9.19? The pillar of fire by night to show them the way wherein they should go. Yes, it, it, it did. But it also said the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way wherein they should go. So the pillar of fire shows light, the illumination, the the light that enlightens the minds of the people of God, the light that uh, shows us the path, and light identifies with truth, it identifies with the Word of God, it identifies with Christ himself. The pillar of fire is our light, it's the light for God's people in the dark in the dark night of judgment day god is with his people through the pillar of fire but again why flaming fire why change it when in these other scriptures it's a pillar of fire why does the lord change it in isaiah 4 to flaming fire by night and the answer is found in second thessalonians Chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians 2, beginning in verse 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels or messengers. And the word revealed here is pointing to being revealed through the scripture, not uh, where you can see him with physical eyes, but with spiritual eyes like like the um, son of perdition is revealed it says in the very next chapter of second thessalonians chapter 2 and how was the son of perdition revealed did we see him with our physical eyes no through understanding the scripture through a revelation of the word of god and so too does the bible reveal christ coming as the judge on May 21 2011 Therefore, the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty messengers, the whole company of the elect. Verse 8, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So Christ comes in judgment in flaming fire, the fire that God's people must go through, the wrath of God like the cherubim in Uh, or or after the fall in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, they guarded the way to the tree of life, and they had a flaming sword turning uh, every which way. So uh, the indication is anyone going that way to the tree of life must go by the flaming sword. And in order for God's people, the children of God, to be declared sons of God, We must first die and go to the grave. And we must rise from the dead, declared to be sons. Christ the firstborn, we the many brethren that are children from the dead. And so it is a necessity. There is no other way. It is through much tribulation we enter into the kingdom of heaven it is by going through the flaming sword and the flaming fire is uh, synonymous with the flaming sword as the flaming fire identifies with the word of god and of course the sword a two edged sword um relates to the word of god in the bible and, and and so christ has come in judgment in flaming fire it's as though we, we've we now been continuing on several years after the date of May 21, 2011, and, and therefore several years into this judgment day period, a prolonged day of judgment, it is as though God has turned the Bible into a, a flaming sword, into a flaming fire that is burning up All the unsaved inhabitants of the earth, they are burned, yet it does not burn God's people. It does not burn us. We go through the fire. The the flame does not kindle upon us. All that language that we looked at earlier applies at this time. And instead of this flaming fire devouring us like stubble, instead of it it destroying us and burning us up to ashes it serves to illuminate our way to show us light and the way that we should go that is this judgment information is again disastrous to uh, to anyone whose name was not written in the lamb's book of life but The same information that burns up one illuminates the way for another. Now, this relates to something that um, I've noticed before. And and this is amazing. It's amazing how God uh, has done this. But in Revelation chapter 19, in Revelation 19, now there's... Just a lot of amazing things we're seeing in the Bible in, in this time. It, you know, it would be one thing if we're, we were not learning anything. If we had gone in this direction, which is the direction of believing the Bible when it locks in the day of judgment as it did, and, and when God's people were moved by the Spirit of God to as God moves within his people to will and do of his good pleasure. They were moved by the Spirit of God to declare dogmatically, in absolute terms, May 21, 2011, Judgment Day. And when we've gone back to the Bible, we cannot find error, we cannot find mistake. It continues to be locked in, and therefore the Bible continues to declare it was the Day of Judgment, Now what are you going to do? Are you, are you going to go back just because of what your eyes apparently have seen? And, and the eye doesn't see anything in the physical realm? Are, are you going to go back like the Israelites in the wilderness desired to return to Egypt? Or are you going to continue on following the, where the word of God leads? No matter how evil it is spoken of, no matter how ridiculous people think it is oh you still believe those things god's people can only follow the word of god of course god knows that he's our shepherd and and he leads the sheep and it is truth that we follow so it, it, there's really no danger or or uh, possibility that the people of god will cease to follow they they will continue to follow where the Bible leads, but here we are following along, and and we're we're finding information that is confirming step by step spiritual judgment that we are being tried uh, as gold silver precious stones we have to go through a fire and and uh, the elect will be judged as well as the non elect. And just so many things that relate to this time period, the the days after the tribulation that we never previously had understanding of, and that is confirmation. Confirmation, you're going the right way. We're following a flaming fire by night. It's a cloud in the day, but and smoke, which relates to fire and wrath, and. It's a flaming fire that is uh, given to us for light and to show us the way. And the way leads to the promised land, the kingdom of heaven. Well, in Revelation 19, Christ appears on the white horse. He's the word of God, and the armies in heaven follow him. They're also on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That is Christ that is mighty angels, the mighty messengers. Christ and ten thousands of his saints, all that are saved. Then in verse 15, And out of his mouth, he's he's the word of God, out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that's that flaming sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Now, there, there's no doubt that's a, a scripture that is describing the final judgment of God in the day of judgment. The the language that he's smiting the nations and treading the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God cannot apply to anything else. But notice, after it says that with a sharp sword that he should smite the nations, that is, the word of God is smiting the nations... The, the wicked of the earth, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Now, that that's basically synonymous with the sharp sword that is smiting the nations. The rod of iron is the word of God that has no more grace, no more mercy, no more salvation. And, And, and this is where Christ is ruling. And, and to rule means you've taken a seat. It's the judgment seat of Christ. He, the judgment day in which Christ is seated upon the throne of judgment is the time of his rule over the nations of the world. And it's not a benevolent rule. It's not a a rule for, designed for their welfare or their, for their good. But it's a rule to inflict punishment, to, uh, pour out wrath, to smite the nations. And, and they are being smitten currently and, and for several years and will in all likelihood at this point, we could say be smitten for several years more to come. And so Christ is ruling them with a rod of iron. It's, it's, It's all wrath. It's all fire. It's flaming fire that burns up wood, hay, stubble, that burns the wicked. And they're no more. They're like ashes that God's elect who are left. The inhabitants of the earth are burned. God's elect are left and they can tread upon them, as it were. But the interesting thing is the word rule. The the Greek word translated as rule is 4165. And this is the same word that we find in John 21. John 21, after the great catch of fish, and that great catch of fish points to a great multitude brought in during that last hour of great tribulation. And, and then Christ appears for the third time. He asks, peter three times if he loves him and and peter um, responds yea lord thou knowest i love thee and then three times jesus responds again in, in all the threes indicating the purpose of god and in john 21:16, he saith to him again the second time simon son of jonas lovest thou me he saith unto him yea lord Thou knowest that I love thee, he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. The word feed is the same Greek word that is translated as rule in Revelation 19.15. And you just kind of have to shake your head at the word of God, the Bible. At God. What is God doing? Why would he say in that context... It's just all wrath. It's all fury. He, You can see it. He's smiting the nations. He's treading the winepress. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Now, this word is actually translated more often as feed. Feed the church of God. It says in Acts, He shall feed them with a rod of iron. And you see, no, God is not going to feed the unsaved. He's going to rule them. But simultaneously, the same time that God is punishing the wicked, at the same time the fire is burning them up, the same fire is feeding the sheep. When, when we read in John 21, after that great catch of fish, feed my sheep. And God uses this particular Greek word. He's tying it in with the day of judgment. He's tying it in with the time after the tribulation, because that's when the great multitude, the great catch of fish were brought in. And in case we miss that, he, he gives us another helpful hint in Revelation chapter 7. And remember Revelation 7, verse 9, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. So there is that great multitude. And then the Lord specifically has the question asked in verse 13, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him, Day and night in his temple. And day and night is a time reference. So this great multitude came out of great tribulation. Which means the tribulation is over. It's referring to those days after the tribulation. It's the exact same timeline as after the great catch of fish. And we we find that they are serving God day and night in his temple. And remember, the temple... Uh It is a spiritual temple. Christ is the son over his house. Whose house are we? And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. He's sit in the Bible equals ruling. He that rules on the throne shall dwell among them because once the body of Christ was formed or once the temple was completed, the spirit of God enters in. And he is presently indwelling the whole body, or the whole temple, and that has been since the all God's salvation program was complete. And then, verse sixteen: They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more; neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. And when we read, "They'll not hunger or thirst," we think, "Oh, it's glorious heaven! It's dwelling in that new heaven and new earth." But remember, the Bible speaks of those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And once God is saved, all to be saved, then there are no more to hunger and thirst after righteousness. They have obtained righteousness, which is the righteousness of Christ, in salvation. So, they hunger no more. We today, God's people are no longer hungering or thirsting after righteousness because God has completed that aspect of his salvation program. And remember the booth. What would the booth in Isaiah 4 protect us from? From the heat. And we, we won't get into that, but it's the same in the book of Jonah. There's a, a burning sun, and he builds a booth. And and so, neither shall the sun light them, nor any heat, because they're under the booth, which is the word of God. For the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them, shall rule them. That's that same Greek word. And shall lead them unto living fountains of water, or, or waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. The Lamb In the midst of the throne shall feed them and lead them. What purpose did the cloud and smoke by day and fire by night accomplish? They led the children of Israel. And where were were they leading them? To the promised land. Again, Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 19. Yet, Thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day, to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night, to show them light and the way wherein they should go. So God is continuing to lead his people, and he's doing so through the flaming fire the pillar of fire and again it destroys the wicked so they don't want to get anywhere near it but God's elect are not afraid we're not afraid of the the terrible uh, information that that the bible is is showing forth concerning a shut door and lights of the gospel put out we're not afraid that the bible is indicating the world has been set on fire or the nations have been set on fire or and turned into hell because we have god's spirit within us and and we have that confidence that that god is working out all things according to his good pleasure and all things will work for our good and so so here we see the word rule as Christ rules in the day of judgment, is the same word as feed. Which again tells us, when we're commanded to feed the sheep, what we should be talking about. Yes, we can talk about Bible basics. We can talk about anything in the Bible. But we better not omit the information that God has brought judgment and the the world currently has been set ablaze. You know, how could anyone leave that Little detail, out we cannot omit it or ignore it or dismiss it in any way. As a matter of fact, that is our guide. That is the fire that illuminates the night and is the light that we are to follow in order to make it through to the promised land. Now let's go to an incredible verse. In Isaiah 40, and I say it's incredible because of the way it brings together what we were just discussing. In Isaiah chapter 40, and it says in verse 10, Behold, the Lord Jehovah will come with strong hand. And that's that's eternal God. That's Christ coming. The Lord Jehovah will come with strong hand. And his arm shall rule for him. That's Christ. He's the right hand of God. He's, there's language indicating he's, he's that, uh, that arm of God. And, and so his arm shall rule for him as Christ will rule them with a rod of iron. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. And his reward is before him. That We'll look at a verse that ties that in. But first, let's read verse 11. After telling us that he will rule when he comes, notice verse 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. And when I read that, I, I I was just struck with how amazingly it brought together the idea of the same word, the same Greek word in Revelation 19:15. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and that same word is used to to describe the feeding of God's sheep after the tribulation in the time of judgment, and we have in Isaiah 40, 10, and 11, the, the exact two ideas brought together. Jehovah, your God, will come and shall rule. He shall feed his flock. You see how those two ideas are brought together. And concerning, he will come with strong hand and rule, and his reward is with him. Look at Revelation 22, after verse 11 tells us, Uh, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. Yes, we're righteous still because no one any longer hungers and thirsts after righteousness. All have obtained who were predetermined to obtain by God. So the righteous are righteous now. That fits with Revelation 7. They will not hunger or thirst anymore. Then in verse 12, And behold, I come. Behold, Jehovah God will come. I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. So we all must appear before the judgment seat, and God will make the determination, the judgment. He will discover if there's any sins exposed, naked and open unto his eyes. And if so, we will burn up. We might hang on for a time or give the appearance of hanging on. We, we might cling desperately if we're not truly saved. And, and yet we've seen that God wants no hangers on. He, he wants no one who identifies with true believers. He wants only true believers. He's cleansing the house and there will be no Canaanites in the house. Only God's elect who will remain and endure to the end. They shall not be burned up. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.